Hi, I'm Jordan Spieth. You're listening to The Open Podcast. The moments, the memories, the chance to be there. Apply now for tickets for the 151st Open, Royal Liverpool 2023. Head over to theopen.com. Ticket ballot closes on Wednesday the 20th of July. You're listening to The Open Podcasts. Well, in 1977, I, I had made a change to my golf swing and I really was playing my best golf in my career. When I came into Turnberry really feeling very positive about my golf game, so I was really thinking that uh, I had a really good shot to win. All I wanted to do is try to be the best possible golfer I could be. I felt like I could add to my resume, but uh, there was a young fellow named Tom Watson who thought otherwise. Yes, well, 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 it was absolute drama to the end. I don't think I've seen anything better than that in my life, and neither of you. Tom's got a hell of a lot of respect for those that came in the game before him. Tom was a go-getter. He wasn't afraid of anything, and, and uh, he loved to compete. Tom Watson joins the elite. It's great to be remembered for success and not for failure. I can say I've had my failures, and I can re- you know, be remembered for the failure. Oh, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. I temper that with some of the successes I've had in, in professional golf, and particularly here at the, at the Open Championship. To this day, the man's got a beautiful golf swing, and he can still score. It's it's awesome. The finest links player of our generation by a long way. <laughs> well, I, I think Tom Watts has been pretty good in Open Championships. I feel uh, happy about the way my career went and where I am now. Tunbury, on the wild west coast of Scotland, splendidly remote, rugged and beautiful, and on trial, holding the Open Championship for the first time. Well, in 1977, I, I won early at, uh, at Pebble Beach in San Diego, then I won the Masters, then I won in Chicago, and then I won in Barcelona the week before uh, the Open Championship. Blue skies, hot sun, and a breeze that dies. And when that happens, the world's professionals feel free to try and take the course apart. Jack Nicholas. Well, in 1977 at Turnberry, Watson and I, we just kept doing the same thing every day. Ripping it right at the flag in majestic style and nearly holds it. Again, the weather was perfect. It was warm for the most part. Uh, there wasn't a lot of wind. It was, it was windy in the morning, but in the afternoon it kind of died down for you know, almost every day. And uh, you know, I got off to a reasonably good start. Uh, and then uh, in Saturday's round, I was paired with Jack Nicholas, and we started to separate ourselves from the field. Well, I've been privileged to see many great golfing events in my lifetime, but privileged, I feel, to have seen one of the greatest of all time, and that was the 1977 Open Championship at Turnbury. And what a battle it turned out to be between the mighty Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson. Nicholas started his third round with four birdies in the first seven holes and started to build up a lead. And Nicholas, ominously, with his partner Tom Watson among the others, Marvellous looking stroke from Watson. Hanging right over the flag. Nice break in, and will it go in? Just 
no, but a certain two. Nicholas fires away with a two iron, grimaces with his own power, and right on target. Quite a swing on this from the right. Yes! It tottered, but it fell a birdie too. Now behind Tom Watson, who's got a shot back on Jack Nicholas. They're at the 15th hole for a birdie too. Oh, what a beautiful putt. Did you just see that swing on the end? And that really is a blow. Privilege to see, and it's developed into a match between these two. And then right in, two rounds of 65 for Watson and Nicholas. A rare treat for the spectators, and what promises for the morrow. And then on Sunday, we truly separated ourselves from the field on Sunday. And more than ever, the day beckons two men. On form, the two best players in the world. It is destined to be one of the most dramatic final acts in the history of the championship. I can't remember what the first two rounds were, 70-69 or 69-70, something like that. And then we shot 65 in the third round. Pretty good golf. We both, we both knew that we were probably the two best players in the game at the time. Uh, we're playing together. We're playing head-to-head. -head. We both played very well. It was actually a lot of fun. As the pair set out, both seven under par, swapping blow for blow, consider just how evenly matched they've been. In the first round, Watson had a 68. So did Nicholas. In the second round, Watson scored 70. So did Nicholas. In the third, Nicholas had a 65. So did Watson. Quite a knockdown, drag out, shootout uh, for those 18 holes. My name is John Mahaffey, and Tom and I went through the PGA Tour qualifying schools and everything together and uh, have known each other since then. Tom Watson Tom Watson could, could always play. He could always make things happen. And when he got on a roll, he could turn Barry where he and Nicholas gets head-to-head -head the, in the final round. And, you know, it was just birdie on birdie on birdie on birdie. And, I mean, you know, that's, that's when golf's fun. We all, you know, we had fun with it. I, I think the game of golf is to, is to have fun. Competition, that's what, that, to me, that's what the fun of the game is, is the competition. The real fun is when two guys are coming down the stretch like Tom and I did in 77, knocking heads, and, uh, you know, you try to figure out how are you going to get that advantage, and uh, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Well, Jack and I were uh, going head-to-head -head all the way that during the final round at Turnberry. He went up by three shots after four. Uh, I made three birdies and got back to even after eight. He went up by two shots after 12. Oh, what a putt at the right moment. Well, he's been uh, threatening to do that for the last three or four holes and finally gets one in from about seven or eight yards. And Watson is faced with a nasty four-footer, 13th hole. He can. So it's time to have another check on the leaderboard in this incredible head-to-head uh, -head situation, a repetition of yesterday's play, with Nicholas now leading by just one stroke with four to play. And then I made an, uh, a, a long putt off the green at 15 to get back to a tie. <laughs> it might be one. Oh, would you believe that? Well. 
I've seen many things in my life, but fancy taking the putter from 12 feet off the green into the semi-rough, race it down the hill, leave the pin in, and he's holed it from all of 25 yards. Well, on the 14th tee, we were waiting for this enormous crowd to, uh, to go across the crosswalk. We were waiting for them to do that. And drives at the 14th. And, um, and just looking out and you know, toward the west and the dust, and it was, it was really like Brigadoon in the, in the fog uh, with all the dust in the air. I mean, we looked, looked out there, we're just both kind of leaning on our drivers like a typical pro-am picture, you know, both side by side. And I said, Jack, this is what it's all about, isn't it? He said, you bet it is. Somewhere in the back 90 turned to me and said to me, hey, that's what it's all about. And I, I, I agree with him. And now we play the last three holes. We're tied, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the crowd's going wild. and uh, We both part of the tough 16 with the burn in front of the green and the 17. Uh, Jack had a hiccup. He missed a short birdie putt uh, from a, yeah, four or five feet. And uh, yeah, gave me the opening to have a one shot lead in the last hole. It was a good strike too, just misread it, hit it straight at the left side, and it didn't turn. So I teed off in the last hole and hit my one iron down the left side, looked pretty good, maybe a little too close to the mucker for comfort, but still it uh, looked like it was pretty good. Right down the middle, if it doesn't get a nasty kick. And now it sails straight past the edge of the bunker. Beautiful shot. Jack, uh, for some reason, took a driver out. And that was, wasn't the club for Jack. Watson hit a good tee shot. I didn't normally play driver off the hole, but I felt like, uh, I don't know why, but uh, I was down a shot, so I felt like I needed the driver. Now, I was wondering what Jack Nicklaus would do. He's been taking an iron every time, and out comes Big Bertha, and he's going for the mighty carry right across the whole thing. Because it's a right-to-left shot, and Jack hits it left to right, and he hit this wild tee shot way off to the right, toward the gorse. And he's chopped it. He's chopped it away down the right-hand side. He's disgusted with it. He turns away, and it's careering into the rough. I don't think it will reach the, the bushes, but he was going for a mighty one, and the nerve just went at the end. And I had over sort of underneath a, sort of a gorse bush on the right, and I had about, I don't know, 165 yards, a little downwind. Uh, I didn't know where the ball ended up, so... Walking out there, I have a one-shot lead, and uh, I'm in the fairway. And before I hit my shot, I wanted to see where Jack was. So I walked up to, I walked all the way over to his ball, and I, uh, I observed that his ball was, uh, while it was really close to the gorse, he still had a shot. But the problem was he was in really heavy grass. And I'm, not many people have talked about this, and I don't know much about the Scottish custom, but I hit that shot out from under there, and people came and started throwing coins on my divot. And I understand there was a little pile of coins there, which was wishing me good luck. Yeah, but the thing I always knew about Jack, he could always, he was the best rough player, uh, had a heavy grass to anybody in the tour. And so, anyway, I go back and I hit this shot, and I hit a great shot toward the hole. They didn't know how close it was. Uh, but I knew it was pretty close. That was the swing of a confident man, wasn't it? It looked beautiful. 
commentary by Bill Watson. And then I walked up and watched Jack hit this shot in this big old swath of grass that did that. And here comes the ball, and it rolls up under the, under the green. I went over that little side slope and ended up under green. Uh, anyway, I hit the ball under the right fringe, and I was about, I don't know, 30, 35 feet away. So we both walk up there, and, I, and as, as I was walking up there, I, you start getting a really good feeling because it's getting closer and closer to the hole, the, uh, the closer you, walk, you get to the ball. And it ended up, it was exactly pin high to the left of the hole. And of course, Tom hit it like this, less than two feet, a putt that I don't think he would probably ever, ever miss. Uh, but I, I, I want to make him putt it. When Jack put down his ball to, to make his putt, the crowd went silent. And we all were very intent to see what he was going to do. And I had told my caddy, he said, you know, Jack's going to make this putt. I felt good that I needed to make it, but you know, I, even if I made it, I knew I wasn't going to probably win, but I still had to give it my best shot. Sure enough, 10 feet from the hole, I looked at the ball and I said, that ball's dead center. It would have gone into a thimble. The crowd absolutely just roared, his jet engine type of roar. It was just so loud. And I don't know how in the world I got the ball to go in the hole, but I did get the ball to go in the hole. What about that then? Well, I tell you what, if there's any knighthoods flying about or honorary degrees, well, those fellows must be juiced for one. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Uh, and it just continued and continued and continued and just never dissipated. It was, I was ready to try to make my putt to win the championship, but the crowd wouldn't stop cheering for Jack's putt. We were just thinking now, won't it be nice to have two putts from about three feet for the Open Championship and suddenly young Master Watson has to pull himself together and pop his in to be champion. What a putt, what a putt. So I said, heck with it. I'm just going to putt when they're cheering for Jack. So I went down to replace my ball from the ball mark and I did and they're still cheering and then as I Lifted up after taking my coin out from behind my ball, looked out of the corner of my eye, Jack had his hand, put his arms up in the air, and in three seconds, the crowd went silent. This for the championship. Unlike any other sporting event you'd ever been to, it was a jet engine roar, and it went absolute silent in three seconds. They were so, con yeah, they were so intent and so looking at what was going on. And I ended up making the putt. Uh, and uh, winning, winning by one over the greatest players that ever played the game. Yes, well, well, well. It was absolute drama to the end. I don't think I've seen anything better than that in my life, and neither of you. Absolutely wonderful. Congratulations from Jack Nicklaus, the crowd rising to their feet. That's when it's great, especially when you're playing against the best and you're, you know, you're matching shot for shot and then all of a sudden you become, you're a victor, you, you're victorious. That's incredible. That's when, that's when all the hard work, that's the culmination of all the hard work. And that was, um, and that was a goal of mine to, to, you know, someday beat the best, play with the best and beat the best. And so that was, you know, that was the beginning beginning of my career right there, I would have to say, even though I had won the Masters uh, earlier that year over Jack. Uh, but uh, that was kind of the beginning of the meat of my career in 1977. Marvelous, marvelous game and a worthy champion. 
12 under par for Watson. Breaks the previous record by eight strokes. Actually, I felt happy for Tom because he played well. He played, he, he played better than I did and deserved to win. The most special thing about the final round was walking off the green after I'd hold my short putt to win by one over Jack. Jack put his arm around me and he said to me, Tom, I gave you my best shot, but it wasn't good enough. Congratulations, I'm really happy for you. I gave Tom my best shot. He, uh, he was up to it. And when it came from the best golfer in the world, I said to myself, I said, you know, now I can play with the big boys now. Explore the rich history of the Open like never before with our interactive timeline celebrating the journey. Visit thejourney.theopen.com and immerse yourself in golf's original championship. The One Club, in partnership with MasterCard, is the best way to get closer to golf's original championship. Enjoy enhanced chances of securing future championship tickets. Sign up for free today at theopen.com. Well, I always looked at Jack as a teacher, somebody that I wanted to find out how he played the game to make me a better player. Golf is a game, and I think all sports, where you have to help people. And, you know, I would want to know that if, if I was having a problem that the guys, I had a lot of help during my time when I played golf. Uh, a lot of guys gave me, Arnold gave me a lot of help early on, uh, Gary Player. Uh, I had no problem helping somebody else. You always went to the best. You always observed the best. See if you can glean from them why they're champions, how they play the golf courses, also how they, you know, you know how they deal with uh, you know, the public, the press, like that. Always, always focused on Jack. I'm Barry Hyde, and I've worked with Tom since I started in the uh, golf business in the cart barn at the TPC at Sawgrass. And, Late 1989. Yeah, I think it. I think it starts with the fact that Tom's got a, a hell of a lot of respect for those that came in the game before him. I think he took the, the time to ask him questions uh, and learn. Okay, you know, I've I've come clean with Tom and told him that while I work for him, I'm a I'm a I'm a Jack guy. I'm a Jack fan. He seems to be fine with it. And we had our competitions early. Uh, the Masters that year in 77, and then we played together in, in, uh, at the Open Championship at Turnberry, and, uh, and what you know, we played as a team in the Ryder Cup. You know, we, we never lost, but. I wasn't going to have somebody beat me because of something I helped them with. I wanted to beat them with my golf clubs. That's what I wanted to beat them with. If I could play better, uh, that's what I was going to do. If they, if they beat me, even if I helped them, so what? Just had to play better if, I, if they got better with it. So uh, that didn't bother me one way or the other. Watson and I had our match at, at Turnberry. I, uh, I, don't, I, I think Tom just played better, and I, I missed the putt at 17. Just, you know, just like uh, Sanders did at 18 at May. I missed the putt at the wrong time, and it was, you know, that's the way it goes. The more I played golf over here, the more I played golf with Jack uh, playing these golf courses, uh, the practice rounds. And, we had a great time doing it, but uh, uh, I was watching him, trying to learn still how he played the golf courses and, uh, so I could devise a strategy that I think would work for me.
Early this morning, vast crowds were making their way towards Muirfield. Just before midday, the heavens opened and it didn't seem to stop for hours and hours and hours. But it didn't deter anybody. The crowd stayed underneath their umbrellas and they were rewarded with some absolutely marvellous golf from the players who played good stuff despite the awful conditions. If you're playing well, the Lynx golf is, uh, you can deal with the battle. Uh, when you're not playing well, you can't deal with the battle. You start fighting it, and uh, you, uh, you, don't, uh, you don't swim with the punches. You don't go with the wind, and uh, you, make, you make errors in judgment. I don't think I'm, I like Lynx golf very much, if this is the case. <laughs> it took me a long time to embrace it, seriously. You know, I didn't, uh, I fought it, and uh, struggled with uh, the bad bounces and the, the way the game is played over here. But finally, I said, you know, yeah, I can't fight it any longer. I have to, uh, have to have a different attitude. I've got to enjoy uh, the challenges of it and accept the bad bounces and, and, and try to, uh, Try to hit the ball the right distance. Yeah, when I didn't, because of you know, because of the conditions or because of poor judgment, I get upset. Now I, I more more or less embraced it. When I hit the, the shot the right distance, uh, you know, with the with the wind and the hard hard ground conditions and get, getting the ball in in the proper position, and I started to, to feel the joy of uh, success that you have when you're playing mixed golf. And yeah, you know, it took off from there. Watson's tee shot at the short 17th. Well, it pitched short, bounced on, the right distance. Well, if, you know, when you play in the Open Championship, uh, weather conditions are always a, a factor. Uh, the one thing that I, I've always, the only thing I found that was difficult for me, I didn't mind rain, but when you had wind of 25, 30, 40 mile an hour and rain with it, that was really difficult. I mean, that was, that was when I did not excel. Tom Watson, on the other hand, excelled when they had those kind of conditions. I think it's one of the reasons why he's won so many Open Championships. The finest Lynx player of our generation, by a long way. You know, and I think he fell in love with it, and also with the people over there. I think they embraced him, and uh, he embraced them as well. Uh, that, that shows uh, to, uh, to today. Uh, I think it's awesome, but he, you know, Jack Nicklaus wasn't a very bad uh, major championship player. He hit the ball pretty high. He played pretty good over there, didn't he? <laughs> you know, so I think, but he also hit the ball very solid, and I think that that makes the Tom Weisskopf same thing. Hit the ball very solid. He won an Open Championship, so uh, I think that's the key to it. Also, the imagination is there. Trevino uh, never could hit it high, but his imagination is phenomenal, and you know the way he could invent shots. Uh, I think. I think Lynx golf, in a way, gives you all kinds of different opportunities to go to your strengths not to, and play away from your weaknesses. Uh, and, and he loved it, but we loved to do fun things, too. Andy North became a good friend of, our, friend of ours as well, Hubert Green. And uh, I remember one practice round that we played in, in Hawaii at Wailai. And uh, they have a lot of, obviously, a lot of palm trees, but they had a lot of them that kind of leaned over into fairways and stuff with homes to the left or right. And uh, we would start these tee shots. You know, you'd call the shot. You'd, if it was your hole, you'd call the shot, whatever you wanted to do, and everybody had to copy it, kind of like playing horse and basketball or whatever. And uh, so we got to where we were doing all this kind of stuff, you know, driver on a 130-yard par three, all kinds of crazy things, and uh, which taught us all uh, a little bit, I think, more about imaginative, playing imaginative golf, being able to create things when you needed to. 
And, but I remember how, how much fun we had doing those kinds of things and the camaraderie we had was, was amazing. Well, it was actually at Lytham St. Anne's in the first moment I had because I was really struggling with my game at Lytham St. Anne's in 79, the year that Seve won. And, uh, I just remember the second day we were playing uh, the par five and let's say the sixth hole. Uh, the first day I hit a driver, three wood, and uh, five iron, all well. Second day I hit a driver and it, it was a choice between a nine iron and an eight iron to the green the second day. And I hit, the, I hit a nine iron and it ended, ended up hitting way short of the green, going up the slope and getting hitting about 12, 12 feet from the hole. I said, I think I get it now. But the man who early on in the day really threatened to challenge the positions at the top of the board was the man you might expect, Tom Watson, going out. The first nine, he had two birdies and an eagle on the six, and uh, he was out in 32. It wasn't until 1979 that I actually uh, come to grips with uh, the way the, golf, the game of golf is played. It made me think of my uh, young days when I first started playing the game, when I had to roll the ball in the greens, I had to bounce the ball in the greens and play up through the alleys and and play the luck of the bounce. And uh, I said, you know, this is the way the game ought to be played, not only through the air as we play so many of our tournaments anymore, but along the ground as well. And that, uh, that changed my thinking about, uh, uh, about the, the Open Championship here uh, significantly. I think I get it now. This is, the, this, is the, this is the goal of the game, is to play through the air, on the ground, with the wind conditions the way they are, and come up with the right formula, so to speak, you know, to get the ball in the position where you want it. And I said, all right, that's the challenge that now I'm looking to be a success with. The Open Championship at Muirfield in 1980. Tom Watson of the United States, who of course was favorite to win this Open before it even started. I was looking forward to Muirfield because I was told that that's, that was probably the, the, mo the favorite golf course of most, most of the players getting on the golf course and playing it. Uh, I remember the first hole as being the most difficult hole in the golf course. And uh, if you get off to a good start in the first hole, that uh, kind of, okay, all right, got that over with. Well, how about that? Looks a little familiar, doesn't it, Tom? Now, one of the things about Muirfield was that I was playing pretty well, but I was putting about the best I ever was in my career. And uh, I remember the Saturday round with no wind, I just made everything. Uh, didn't hit the ball particularly close to the hole, but didn't matter where it was in the green, I, I hold the putt. To get within one shot. Yeah. Right to the hole. Watson, eight under, one shot behind. New leader. Great ground today. Watson for a three at the twelfth for yet another birdie. Yeah. 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 And with a golden touch. My, my. Yeah. When you do that, uh, you know, life is really good. <laughs> Let's just remind ourselves of how the overnight leaders stood when they came to play their final round today. The leader, of course, was Tom Watson of the United States, who, uh, with that 64 yesterday, had put himself four strokes clear of the rest of the field. His nearest challengers were Lee Trevino 
of the United States and Ken Brown of Britain. I knew that I was going to make putts, and I did. And and uh, it was it was a great feeling walking up the last hole. Uh, I drove it down the right side of the fairway and and uh, basically walking in and, and win the championship. It was a great walk. All the other championships I won, it really had to, you know, be totally in total concentration coming up the last hole because they hadn't won it yet. What a lovely feeling. An eight iron shot. Oh, a nine iron shot right into the green, and that's the way a championship finish. And they're on the move, they're charging down, and we'll just savor this moment as the crowds rush in. At uh, the Open Championship at Muirfield in 1980, I was. I had a little leisurely walk on the, in the last hole, which, which uh, was fun. Oh, nice, cozy way to finish. Watson down and just rolls this little tiddler in for a round of 69 today. There it was, Watson's third Open Championship in the space of five years. The first at Carnoustie, 1975, then at Turnbury in 77, and now at Muirfield in 1980. But he really is uh, challenging for the sort of mini slam, Watson. In the 1978 PGA Championship, Tom Watson had a a huge lead going into the final round. I'm tickled to death that I won the PGA. I'm happy that I did that, but I wish it would have been against somebody else. Uh, you know, it's the only major he hasn't won. Uh, uh, he's an incredible player, probably one of the top five in the world ever, you know, in my opinion, the way, and uh, that was just an incredible thing uh, at, uh, for me at Oakmont because I opened up with a 75 and, and really had played poorly all year. I'd only made like $10,000 on the tour. The last three rounds I played at my best rounds of golf I've ever played in my life. A happy stands at this moment at the head of the championship board. And uh, a 66 on the last day to catch Tom. And, and he didn't play that poorly. It's just that uh, I had everything going. I made a 60 footer at 10 for a three, he made six. So a three shot swing was a huge thing. That's when I thought, well, maybe I have a chance. You know, he didn't fall apart, but still, it's one of my fondest memories and also one of my saddest because I hate to, I hated to be my friend that way. But he he was very gracious at the at the presentation and said, "You deserve this." He said, "After uh, I lost the U.S. Open to, in a playoff, as I said to David Graham in '75 and '76, Jerry Pate beat me on the last hole at Atlanta Athletic Club." So I'd been there a couple of times. He said, "You know, you deserve this one," and I thought that was very kind. This was at the 1982 US Open Championship at Pebble Beach. Nicholas had finished well, and Watson, needing a pair of pars to tie, had missed the 17th green on the wrong side. He's such a courageous player, he's, and uh, he doesn't back off, and I like that. You know, he's got a lot of faith in himself, and the, the short game, I'm thinking back to Pebble Beach. Uh, you know, when, when Bruce Edwards said, okay, let's get this one close, he said, close hell, I'm gonna make it, you know, on 17, and pitched it in. You know, those are the kind of things that you put that in your mind, I think, and, and when it overflowed, he played so well. Thick rough and a slippery downhill slope all the way. It was beginning to look like yet another US Open title for Nicholas. Oh. 
but a four became a two, and Watson had finally won his own national title. Just a month after Pebble Beach, Watson came to Royal Troon, on the west coast of Scotland, aware that only Jones, Sarazen, Hogan and Trevino had won both Open Championships in the same year. Never quite at his very best, he hung around the top of the leaderboard throughout the championship, while others made the headlines during the early rounds. Nineteen eighty-two, well, you you never give up. You keep on, you shoot the absolute lowest score you possibly can, no matter where you are in the field. You pride yourself on never giving up. Watson worked hard to stay in touch, but was always two, sometimes three, adrift of price as the championship headed towards its climax. On that particular uh, day, I was five shots behind Nick. I think after he finished the ninth hole, he birdied nine, and uh, I eagled the railway hole. Yeah, it was played as a par five then. That's where Watson is now. 481 yards of par five and after a glorious drive, we're watching this on television, here's Watson's three iron. Well, what a marvelous stroke from Watson. He's only had one birdie today and then suddenly from 200 yards, he almost puts it into the hole, and suddenly, well, he's almost certain to get an eagle three. And uh, so, you know, I got within, then I bogeyed the 12th hole, the next hole, so I'm still a ways back. Uh, but I said, you know, I've got to play 13 and 15. I've got to play those two holes well, which I did in the par fours. I made fours, I think, on both of them. By Tom Watson. On the fairway, as usual, what wouldn't he give for a final three? Looking good. He's certainly given himself a chance for a birdie three, and one feels that he needs to hold that if he's going to sneak this championship. This for a three. He hasn't held many putts today. What a cheer if this goes in. And Tom must feel that the chance of the championship is gone. Round in 70. Two under par today and four under for the championship. And that probably won't be good enough because he's still two strokes behind Nick Price. And I said, well, Nick uh, might have some problems with that. And he did. He, was, he made a double bogey and a bogey on those two goals. And then he bogeyed 17. Difficult putt. Doesn't look to be much borrow, but there is. He needs to hold this for his par and to remain tied for the championship. Tragedy. Not long ago, he was three ahead with six holes to play. Now a stroke behind Tom Watson. And time and holes fast running out. And all of a sudden now, um, I'm one shot up. And he had to play 18, he made a par, and knocked it just past the, over the green. Or long, long, he had a long putt, and he was too nice. And now, the climax of this 111th Open. This putt to tie with Watson and force a playoff. No, not enough pace. 
And would you believe it, after all that toing and froing, Tom Watson, almost submerged by well-wishers with his wife at his side, is the champion by a single stroke. What a story. Tom Watson yesterday became open champion in a way he never thought possible. His four under par, 284 total, gave him a one-stroke victory over the obscure 25-year-old South African, Nick Price. The 32-year-old Kansas City professional confessed afterwards, if you'd told me after 36 holes that I had a chance of winning, I'd have said you were crazy. It was, it was Nick's to, to lose, and you know, sometimes you do. You, know, you, you, you have to finish 18 holes. And I tell you, the incoming nine holes at Troon enter the wind, pretty intimidating. Uh, you have uh, the 10th hole, which is a blind tee shot around the, uh, the dune there. And then you have the 11th hole, the railway hole, with the gorse both left and right off the tee. Uh, and then the 13th and the 15th and the 17th, the par three, enter the wind. And then, of course, you have to negotiate the bunkers at 18. It's as tough as you want, uh, toughest finish as you want in, in Open Championship golf. The champion golfer of the year, Tom Watson. For the record, Watson's the fifth man in history to win the British and US Opens in the same year. He's won four championships here. Harry Varden's record is six. It stood for 68 years. How much longer? Nicholas was always a formidable opponent, and his sheer presence at the top of the leaderboard was often enough to put the best of the rest, including even Watson, off their game. You start out a field with 150 players, it can be any one of those 149 players that can compete against you. And so you've got to beat them all if you want to win. And um, Tom Watson there was more often, more often there than somebody else, as was Lee Trevino or Arnold Palmer or Gary Player. Uh, they were fellows who were good players, and you always look for them to be close. And behind on the first fairway, the mighty Tom Watson. He wasn't afraid of anything, and, and uh, he loved to compete. Tom always was right, seemed to be right there, you know, with a chance to win a lot of tournaments and uh, majors as well. Well, you'd have to ask the players that. I, I don't know, but you know, I, I know that uh, I was in the meat of my career, and I was, uh, you know, leading money winner, and 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 was, I was winning quite a number of tournaments. So, uh, you know, you always look at the leaderboard and see, uh, you know, to see certain names on the leaderboard. Maybe they looked at my name and said, oh no, that's Watson. Yeah, I always knew when, when I saw the leaderboard and there was, there was Jack on the leaderboard, said, oh no, there's Jack. Well, intimidation is a factor that uh, probably played a little bit in the game of golf as I was playing. Not one that I intentionally Tried to, tried to have, uh, but I had it probably, uh, a lot of guys were intimidated, but I don't think, uh, there were two guys that I played with in particular that were never intimidated. Uh, one was Trevino and the other was Watson. Uh, they both always gave me their best shot when they played. They, uh, I seemed to uh, bring the best of, of them out in, out in the game. And uh, that was great. I love that. Uh, Tom, uh, I mean, I got Tom on a few occasions, and I got Lee on a few occasions, and he got me on a few occasions. Uh, Tom got me on three significant occasions, which was the 77 Masters and the 77 at Turnberry. And then back in the 80, 82 US Open, 
Uh, so, you know, those are three events that uh, uh, I felt like I could add to my resume, but uh, there was a young fellow named Tom Watson who thought otherwise. Coming up next week on The Open Podcasts. And uh, thinking what had just happened was uh, maybe one of the most special moments of my life. Uh, Tom Watson, this to tie the lead. First of all, I was playing about my best golf. Uh, yeah, I had a new gimmick with the putter, and it was working. It haunts me more than anything else. Is, you know, I saw the ball in the air heading right at me, uh, you know, and the, and the flagstick was between me and, and, and Tom. And I saw it in the air, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Tom has won the Open. And at, on Wednesday night in bed with Hillary, I said, you know, Mills, I can win this tournament this week. I really do. I was thinking that all day on Wednesday's practice round, and I finally admitted it to somebody. It's not short. It's not short. Hello! Oh, oh, oh. Tom Watson still leads the Open. Isn't that extraordinary? What a putt on 16, what a putt on 18. With thanks to Tom Watson. Written, produced and edited by Chris Lewis. Executive produced by Paul Sutcliffe. Additional support from Chris Devine and Liam Allen. Join us for a summer to remember at the AIG Women's Open. Witness Anna Nordquist defend her title on the renowned links of Muirfield. Book today at AIGWomensOpen.com As well as live leaderboards, tea times, video and radio during the Open Championship, you can enjoy historical and new content every day of the year with the Open app. Download for free on iPhone or Android. This has been an original audio production from the Open.